All right. I think, uh, yes, I hear the microphone. I've, I'm not used to teaching with one of these on, but, uh, well, there you go. There's my, uh, my infancy in using a microphone, but uh, I'm so excited to be among you, both uh, one as a church member with you guys, even though I, I am the youth pastor here, I, I am a member of the church with you, and I'm, I'm honored to be one of you, and that's really what I, t- I want to talk about in the message that I feel the Lord gave me today. As I prepared this, I sat back and I said, Lord, do you want me to, you know, open up a, a, a text that, you know, maybe some of us struggle with? Do you want me to uh, tell my entire testimony? What, what is it that you have for me? Because for me to be standing here in front of you as just a youth pastor, as someone that's only been with you for a year, I want to take this seriously. I want, to, I want to give you something that I truly believe God has handed to me unto you, like the letters we see from Paul in the New Testament, and, and the ways that he would encourage or, or, or invite the churches to maybe remember uh, where they came from and how they are called to not forget that. So, you know, last time uh, we had someone up here that was a guest speaker, I believe that was Kevin, and Kevin taught out of 1 Corinthians 13. And that was just amazing, because 1 Corinthians 13 is one of my favorite passages of Scripture, because it is about how to be a Christian, how to love, and how even if we have all the gifts in the world, but we don't have love, it's pointless. And so I started to look at uh, 1 Corinthians as well, and so today we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, in just the first chapter, there at the very end. I love this, because this is a message that, that kind of the Lord uh, brought to me in a time of meekness, and in a time of, of insecurity, and in a time of, of pain. And I wanted to, to use this to encourage you as it encouraged me. You know, I, I've never been a member of a church like Poplar Springs. During D-Now, an event that the Lord did a lot of mighty work in, we, uh, the guys, we stayed at, at Bobby Houston's house. And God bless you for that. You're an amazing woman for letting all those guys stay there and goof off like we did. But as we were talking with her one night, you know, she looked at me. She said, Fletcher, have you ever really been a part of a church like Poplar Springs. And I knew what she meant when she said that, that the love that you have and the the focus that you have of action and living that out, it is unfortunately all too rare in too many of the churches that I grew up in. I'm not here to to talk about any churches that exist today. In my personal experience, I I did not like church. I did not get saved until I was in college because of my personal struggles. You know, I, I witnessed all kinds of, of terrible things happen in churches that just kind of made me concerned and, and made me worried about, you know, is this really, is there really any point to this? Does anybody really believe this? Is I would see many of the peers that I had show up and behave one way during church, and then the minute I went home or, or the minute I would be with them during the weekends, we were very much different people, even the adults. These were very strange times, and, and I, I often look back, I struggle with holding grudges, and, and the Lord has really done a lot of work on my heart in that aspect lately, because, you know, there's so much anger that I want to hold to these things, these churches where I experienced hurt or experienced pain, and, and I could spend all day diving into it, but that doesn't glorify the Lord. What I believe the Lord showed me in that is that He showed me, you know, because God wastes nothing, and those terrible things that I saw, He showed me what a church is not supposed to be. And, and when Pastor Matthew contacted me to, to begin to serve here, I was very nervous. You know, working in a church was not something that I ever really saw myself doing. Yes, I have a degree in Christian studies. Uh, yes, I've, I've worked with students for years and years and years. Uh, I, I love the Lord very much. I'm saved by the grace of God, and I'm so thankful for that. But working in a church just kind of made me scared, kind of made me afraid, because that's a huge responsibility. And man, no church is perfect. And I just was nervous. But as I began to step out in faithfulness to the Lord, I realized that He equips the called. It's not about what I can do, 
but what Jesus will do through me and what Jesus will do through you and will then use to affect our entire community and as we do through missions as a church, our entire world. And so that's what we're gonna look at today that I think is so absolutely cool about God's word, okay? So we're gonna primarily be looking at here the, uh, the, the very end of the chapter here. Let me make sure I've got the, the correct part here. Let's see. Let's see, Jews request a sign. Let's see, so verse 26 is where we're at. For see to your calling, brethren, not many wise according to the flesh, not many are noble, not many mighty, but all are called. Verse 27, for God has chosen the foolish things in the world, but to, to, to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the, world, and the things which are are despised God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are and that no flesh should glory in his presence but of him you are in Christ Jesus who became with us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption and here's my favorite part and what we're mainly going to focus on today verse 31 as it is written he who glories let him glory in the Lord or your translation may say let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. I've never been somebody that really was good at any one thing. I, I tried baseball, and uh, you're going to laugh at me here. I, I was real good at knowing what to swing at. The problem was I didn't move, okay? So the ball would come my way, and it would smack me right in the face, like just like leave me with two, I would leave games with like two black eyes and a broken nose. Like I just, I would stand there just, I was not, I was resolute. I was not going to move. And it got to where, you know, this was kid pitch, and I was, I was getting hit in the face over and over. It got so bad to where my parents put a football guard on my baseball helmet. And then the kids had even more fun pinging the ball off of the football guard because of the noise that it made. And I'd bobble back and forth like a bobblehead. So I was like, okay, baseball is not really working for me. Let's not, let's not do that. Let's not do baseball, okay? What about soccer? Well, I was really bad about remembering uh, which goal was mine. And so I would often score on my own team, and I'd be running around and cheering, like, yes, let's go. This is great. And I would then look at my coach, and my coach would just be, he's, at least he's a good kid. You know, at least he's a, he doesn't know what he's doing, but he's a, he's a good kid. So, you know, these are, these are the things that I realized. You know, I tried, to be, uh, I tried to be good at art. You know, I love to draw. I love to paint. But I realized... Um, I realized once I got out of high school that I really wasn't as good as I thought I was. I applied to SCAD, uh, the Savannah School of Art and Design, and, and didn't really hear anything back. And I started to realize, oh, yeah, I guess these little cartoons are, are not the best. And, and, I, and I wanted to, you know, for years I worked for Chick-fil-A. I worked for Chick-fil-A in Fort Oglethorpe, Georgia. Loved that store, loved that job. Um, and I thought, you know, maybe I want to be an operator. And then I just realized, you know, the, the, the food service industry is just also not for me. And so, so many times in my life, I, I had these moments where I'm like, man, am I, am I good at anything? Can I accomplish anything? Can I really get anything done? Is anyone ever going to look at me and say, you know, you know good job, Fletcher? Is anyone ever going to look at something and be like, wow, he's really good at that? Because it feels like the only thing I'm good at is making a fool of myself. The only thing I'm good at is, is being dumb. There's a thing going on with the church in Corinth, and we talked about this last time Kevin spoke, but I just want to give us a bit of a recursor. You know, the church in Corinth, Paul's writing to them for, for several reasons, but one of them being that they, they, are, they are saved by grace, they are a church, they are loved by God, but they are having a really hard time breaking away from their, their old lifestyles. There's a lot of sin that's continuing in the church in Corinth, and Paul is trying to point out to them, saying here, you don't have to worry about the old self. You don't have to worry about the person that's incapable. 
You have to focus on the one who is capable and who has made you capable. It is not about you at all, and that's the good thing. You know, our flesh constantly wants to make things about us, you know, and hear praise and hear, and hear honor and hear glory and, and, and be the center of attention. Even the most introverted of us want to be recognized in some way. But what Paul is talking about here is that, you know, consider your calling. Not many are wise by human standard, not many noble, not many powerful, but let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. You are capable because he who is in you is capable. So I want to see here, this, this, this point that, that he has here and, uh, is, is so cool to me because, I, like I said, you know, I often focus on my own inadequacy. But the other thing that I really struggle with is I, I focus on how unworthy I am of God's love. Have you ever just come to the realization of how unworthy we are? Uh, my mentor, when I first got saved, Eddie O'Brien, who's a professor at True McConnell University, he has a great way of, of talking about his old self. You know, people ask him questions about who he was and what he did, and this man has a, has a crazy past, and the fact that he is saved is literally and truly a miracle. And I'm so thankful that he was able to pour into my life. But he, people would bring up the old him, and I, or I would ask him questions about the old days when he, you know, he saw Metallica like way back in the day when they first started, and he saw like King Diamond and all these bands that are not biblical things. They're not good things. But you know, things that I was fascinated by because that's the kind of culture I grew up in. I grew up in the heavy metal scene in downtown Chattanooga and, and loved you know, just being crazy and wild. And I ask him all this stuff, and he'd say, Fletcher, that's, that man's dead. That man is gone. You know, you, you can ask me stories about that, but that doesn't glorify Jesus. I want to talk about who Jesus is and who he made me to be. That man's gone. This, this one, this, uh, th this is such a cool thing how we can be completely changed. But there's, there's one thing that I experience, you know, that, that's, that, that example from Eddie O'Brien is so good because it is a great example of what we see here in the text with 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And that it is, it is not about where we've been, it is not about what we've done, it's not about what we lack, but it is about Jesus. And we have to focus on that rather than focus on ourselves. God uses what the world deems as useless to display his glory, so that all credit goes to him. Mainly, this text here is pointing out how this, is, this act begins with gratitude and humility, because this unites a church. Before this passage, Paul is talking about how there can be no division within the church. That's one of the first things he's trying to address at the beginning of this letter, how if there's division, the church cannot be unified. He's saying if there's, a, if there's selfishness rising up above the members, the church cannot be unified. Poplar Springs, after a year of being with you, I am convinced that you model gratitude and humility in ways that truly honor God. And so I want to encourage you today and say take heart and keep doing what you are doing. You are walking well. That's the first thing that I really felt that the Lord wanted me to tell you. You are not like this church in Corinth in this, in this time because when I see issues arise, when I see, uh, uh, when I see life fall apart for our members, I see people begin serving. I see people begin moving, and I see people asking, what can we do to help? And that's amazing. I have never seen that in my 28 years of living. I've never seen that in a church like that. The second thing I want to tell you is that for each of us, uh, it is not for us to glory over ourselves or the situation for us to all start high-fiving each other this morning. It is for us to remember that let's keep going forward. Let's go that second mile. You know, I mentioned that I worked for Chick-fil-A, and that's really, that was really, you know, true at Kathy's whole focus. That's why I fell in love with the business to begin with, because, you know, his second mile service is his big thing. You know, if a man will walk with you uh, one mile, go with him too, is what God's word says. 
And so he has this whole focus of, you know, let's, let's not just do one thing well, let's keep doing things extremely well. Let's, let's make it even better. You know, you might remember back in the day, Chick-fil-A started well. Start, where? It started in a mall. That's where Chick-fil-A started. It started in the malls. Then you have the first standing stores. And then you have the, the drive-thrus being set up. Then you have the awnings over the drive-thru. Now you got people out there with, with iPads and scanners, and they're, they're racing out to your car before you can even order. Being like, what do, you, what do you need? And just getting it done, and you're paid right there, and you're good to go. That's crazy. There's no other business that's doing that. That's because they are trying to find a way to do something well and keep doing it even better every day. And I believe that's what God is calling us to do as a church. We are serving well. We are doing well. There, no church is perfect, and all of us have things that we need to work on, but let's keep going. Let's keep doing more for Jesus. Keep looking within ourselves about what needs to change in ourselves. But one other thing that I want to focus on here is what I always tell the youth, and they might groan at this, is one of my favorite phrases. Reading the text explains the text. And so let's continue to look at this here. There's three things I want us to look at today. So looking at the passage again, I want to focus on first here, consider your calling. Now, I'm not saying that the group of you here, that you guys are not mighty. I'm not saying that you are not uh, strong. I'm not saying that you are not noble. What, 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 what Paul is pointing out here is that it is not about any worldly possession. It is not about any worldly ability. And it is most certainly not about uh, any of our, any, any worldly fame. That's irrelevant. What's, what's relevant is the power of Jesus. What I, what I want to focus on, these three things here, is that first I want to encourage those who might view themselves as unworthy. Many years ago, my wife said to me when we were only just friends, Christ equips the called. I love that phrase, and I've said that already this morning because it is so true and it is so good. You might look at yourself and you might be hearing me say these things and saying, like, you know, I'm hearing you say this, Fletcher, that the church is doing good, but I don't feel like I am. I feel like I'm failing. Or, or you might see me serving, you might see me working, but really on the inside, I, I'm dying. I'm hurting. And I, I am unwell. I want you to understand that greater is he that is in you than, than he that is in the world, and greater than our enemy. And that any trial that you face can be overcome through the power of your testimony and through the ability of the church to come around you and support you in a time of trouble. The second thing I want to do is I want to encourage those who feel unseen and exhausted. There are so many people who serve so well in this church. I, 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 I would hate to think about where we would be without our life group leaders. I would hate to think about where we would be without Kevin. I'd hate to think where we would be without Trey. I'd hate to think definitely where we would be without Kathy. Oh my goodness. I don't know what I would do, like honestly. Oh my goodness. But honestly, the biggest thing is I don't know where we would be without you. It is about the church. It's not about me. It's not about Pastor Matthew. It's not about Trey. It's about all of us. It's about Jesus changing us and us continuing to be the body of Christ, to being a family of believers dedicated to, to honoring him, serving him, and living for him. Third, I want to encourage those who believe that they've gone too far. And that's really where I want to, to, to talk about my personal testimony. You know, like I told you, I, I, was, I grew up in church but I did not enjoy church. You know, I saw it as something fake. I saw it as something terrible. I saw it as something that I had to trudge my way to, and, and, and then I had to uh, then be berated with rules and laws that I didn't understand and, and all these old lessons from the Bible, and, and I just got frustrated every time because I thought, you know, I'm being told all this, but I'm seeing that people don't really live this out when they're living day to day. 
and, and when I would be at work and I, I'd be working at the window at Chick-fil-A, you know, I'd, I'd see people that I would know from church and they'd be so rude to me or to my coworkers and I would just think like, man, you're just, you're just fake. You're just awful. You're just a terrible person. <laughs> and that's not a good thing to say, but I, those are the things that I thought. And it just angered me. And so anger became who I was. Anger became my entire personality. And anger is what led me to have a life of rebellion, have a life of sin, and where I got myself addicted to a great number of things that really destroyed my mind, my soul, and my body. And I lived in this anger because I thought it was right. I thought it was good because I was proving everybody wrong. And I, get to the, I really get to the end of myself. I get to the end of, of who I am. And I, I see what, what's really happening is that Jesus is calling me to him. And I'm, I'm fighting him tooth and nail. And I, I have this conversation with my grandfather, who was like my, my best friend in the whole world, Mark Fletcher, who I'm named after. And he basically told me, you know, if you will go to a Christian school, you know, we'll work out some way of, of paying for everything. We'll work out a way of paying for your first year. And I thought, okay, I'll take you up on that offer. So originally I wanted to do uh, English. I wanted to do, uh, I wanted to do psychology. But as I really thought about it, I really had a lot of questions about the Bible. I really had a lot of uh, things that I wanted to understand. And if you've ever heard of C.S. Lewis, a famous author, as somebody that I really idolize, and the way he came to Christ was he set out to disprove it. He sat down to sit with God's word and study the entire thing in every detail and said, I'm going to prove that this book is pointless. And as he studied that book, he came to a real understanding of Jesus and his love and what that, what that point of all those wonderful scriptures are that it's pointing to that we have a Savior and that there's hope. And his life was changed. And I said, okay, if I'm really going to be serious about this, I'm going to do the same thing. So I chose Christian studies. I chose Christian studies, and I was very nervous, but I was, you know, I was, I was ready to do it. And I'm, I'm going through my classes, giving the same church answers, you know, answering stuff that I've heard in church all these years. And then one day I had a professor who got in my face. And a professor who got in my face and said, if you think you can fake your way through your faith, I want you to leave my classroom. I want you to leave this school right now. Who says that? Who does that? Firstly, because the only way colleges make money is if you're attending. <laughs> so that's a lot of money gone right there. Uh, two, you know, uh, who just gets in a student's face like that? A teacher who's had a real encounter with Jesus and knows that you either care or you don't. And he saw in that moment a young man that was fake, a young man that was a fool, a young man that was addicted and trying to hide it. Because this whole time that I was in school at this point, for my first year of being there, I was still engaging in all of the same things that I used to do. I was still hiding it, and I was getting pretty good at it. But for some reason, the Lord just gave this professor just absolute wisdom to see straight through me like I was made out of glass and knew exactly what I was all about. And it shook me to my core. And then we had a, uh, we had a, we had a speaker that week. His name was Tony Nolan. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but he, he did a great job that week. But at this time, you know, he's, he's up there dressed. He, he's 35 years old at this point. He's dressed like, he, like he's 16. You know, he's got a hairline like mine now, and he's saying, you know, you know I'm different. I'm not like the rest of the adults. I'm cool. I, I'm one of you guys. You know, talking to our college, and I'm like, oh, shut up. You know, whatever, dude. I do not care. I've heard this from so many dudes that try and act like they know what I'm going through. But he, he knew, and he only knew because of what God had done in him. And I'll vividly remember this. I'll remember this for the rest of my life. I don't even remember what passage of Scripture he was talking about, but he just started to explain God's love in a way that just changed me. It was amazing. And he started talking about how like God basically looks at a room full of all of your mistakes, full of everything you've ever done. He sees every single part of it. Nothing is hidden from him. And he looks at you and he says, that is my son. 
That is my daughter, and I love them, and I'll do anything for them. And that broke me. Because at that time, I'm not only, you know, just being a complete fake in my classes, I'm, I'm literally planning on leaving the school after that year to go off and continue in the lifestyle that I was living, the, the way of sin that I was living. I was planning to bail out and get out and go do what I wanted to do. You know, I, I, I made a deal with my grandfather. I followed through with it. I made my family happy for a little bit. Everybody's proud of Fletcher being a little preacher boy. Okay, cool. Now I'm going to go do what I want to do. But that day I had a real encounter with Jesus and it changed me. And I laid on the floor of that gymnasium. If you've ever seen it, Troop McConnell, it's that big dome-looking building. I laid on the floor of that gymnasium, and I accepted Christ that day, and I've never been the same since. But as I tell my students, and as I tell many people that I've worked with in addiction recovery, and, and as they are getting saved, and as they are changing their lives, if, if, you're, if you're saving, if your salvation story is you got saved, and boom, you're done, you know, you were good, you never sinned again, praise God. You know, you are better than me. You are awesome. You are great. But I had a lot of things to uncover. I had a lot of things to learn, and I still felt so, so inadequate. I felt inadequate for years, and I felt useless for years. And I would, I would have great times where I would share a word of God, and then I would just sit back and still feel like I am still worthless. I'm still, I'm still so riddled with, with failure. And part of that is that, yes, there, had, there were a lot of habits within me that desperately needed to change, Yes, there were a lot of things in my personality that I needed to change and, and, and stop engaging in. Yes, there were consequences I needed to face for my actions, and I did face those. But also, here's the thing, is that our fears and our failures, they love to lie to us. They love to lie to us. I don't know if you're like me, maybe I'm just nuts, but I don't know about at night, you know, every single time I lay down in bed at night, it's, my, it's like my brain replays every single mistake I made that day. And how I need to correct that the next day. And, and it's maddening. And it's, it's, it's sad sometimes. But I know that it's my flesh. And it's, it's the devil trying to tear me apart. And rip me apart at the seams. So that all I ever do is beat myself up. And maybe sometimes you have felt that way. You know, I'm sitting here praising you guys today. But I also don't want to act like we don't experience fear. And I also don't want to act like we don't experience failure. And I also don't want to act like we're not human. That we're not incapable. That we're not uh, capable of messing up. A life truly changed by Christ is marked by two things. A life truly changed by Christ is marked by two things, in my personal opinion: trial and triumph. The trial, we all know what that is. You know, that's that's when there's a, re- a leak in your roof and and the, and the water's pouring down and it's flooding all over the place. A trial is when a family member is sick and there's nothing you can do and all you can do is just watch as it happens. A trial is when you have a you have a, you have all kinds of medical issues and, and nothing seems to be working. A trial is when you're at work and everybody seems to be against you. Know these are the trials that we face. A trial is is, in a, is to be in a world that seems completely dedicated to destroying any idea of goodness or morality or justice and completely warping it to whatever the feeling or emotion is that day. We all experience that. But how do we find triumph? The more that we cherish Christ in gratitude, the selfish nature of our heart is pushed out and literally run out of town in a sense. So what I want to say to you today as well is keep going, Poplar Springs. You are walking well, but keep walking in the way that you are and don't hide from a challenge. Don't run from a challenge. Don't run from stepping out of your comfort zone to be who Christ has called you to be. Don't just be a church goer. Be active in your Christian faith. For those who feel left out, for those who feel defeated, this is not for a time for you to sit and dwell on your defeat. 
You know, I, I messed up hundreds of thousands of times uh, just in my, my, my few years of being a Christian. I've messed up like a hundred times, Kathy will tell you, I've messed up like a hundred times just in time of working here. And I'm making a mistake almost every other week. But praise God, there's grace. And I'm being shown it. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for that. If we worry about what's going to happen, nothing will ever happen. And then the worst will happen. But if we focus on what will happen if we trust Jesus, we will see so many amazing things. If you told me when I was in high school that I would be talking in front of you today, I would laugh in your face. I would call you all kinds of things that I cannot say because those are not Christ-like things. Because that's the kind of awful person I was. But the difference Jesus has made in me has made all the difference. And the only thing I can boast in is Him. The only thing I can say is that he changed me because Lord knows I didn't want to change. Lord knows I didn't want to change at all. We have been set free in Jesus' name. This, this, uh, this text is so amazing because it just kind of dismantles what, what many of us expect. I remember when I was a kid, you know, I, I said to my mom, you know, I wish I could be great like Peter, or I could be awesome like John or some of the other disciples. And I vividly remember my mom telling me, they, they messed up a ton, especially Peter. <laughs> That's kind of Peter's, like, whole thing, was that he didn't really get things until later in Acts, when he's like, oh, I see now that God shows no partiality, but decides, desires for all to know him. What an amazing realization he had that took him forever to know, seemingly forever. We, we look at the people like Moses and we look at people like Abraham and we look at people like, like, like the disciples as if, as if they're superhuman. But they were sinners. They were, they were regular people just like us. That's why he chose fishermen. <laughs> That's why he chose uh, tax collectors. That's why he chose uh, regular people to love them and to show them God's love. Consider your calling, as verse 26 says, brethren. Not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things in the world to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things that which are mighty. When you feel worthless, when you feel empty, when you feel like you cannot do it, you might look at me and say, Fletcher, look at my age, look at where I am now. What, what can I do for Jesus? Well, firstly, you can pray. That's the coolest thing, that we can align ourselves with what God is already doing through the power of prayer. And through that, we can move. Through that, we can act. You can, you can serve in all kinds of ways just in the sense of uh, either that being your presence or, or the presence of any gift that you might want to give. I'm not saying you have to do that, but that's something that is available unto you if that is something you want to do. There is all kinds of amazing things that we can do for Jesus that we convince ourselves we can't do because of time, of age, of, of past. But pay attention to this, that God's word is saying here that he chooses what is weak. He chooses what is, what is, what is foolish in the world's eyes and says that it is mighty, says that it is good. And that's what I have to say to you today, Poplar Springs, is that you might be weak sometimes, you might feel weak at times, but you are mighty because of the one that lives within you. I have one story that I'll share and then I'll uh, be done. I know this is kind of quick, but um, I just want to share this amazing thing. So, you know, I, I'm in school, like I said, and this, this was such a oh, phenomenal situation, but it was so terrible at the start. You know, I was taking Hebrew. 
And I wanted to take Hebrew because I wanted to understand the Old Testament because I didn't want anybody to lie to me anymore. I didn't want anyone to take God's word and twist it in front of me and tell me this is what God's word says, when really it was just their personal opinion using it to manipulate me. So I wanted to know the truth. But here's the thing, I'm really bad at tests, <laughs> like horrifically bad at tests, like cannot pass a single thing even if it's my favorite subject. And I'm failing every single test for this professor of mine. His name was Dr. Lyon, and uh, he's, he made a big, big impact on my life. And Dr. Lyon eventually pulled me into his office and was like, hey man, what's going on? You know, I see your homework, I, I see, your, I see your, uh, your, your attention in class, I see your journal that you do for me every week, and you are focused, you are in there, you are, you are paying attention. But then when you take a test from me, you just fall apart. I said, I, I don't know, I just, I feel dumb. You know, I, I mess up and I, I feel like maybe I'm not supposed to be here, maybe I'm not supposed to be doing this. Maybe I'm not called to this. Maybe this isn't something I should be here for. And he said, why would you ever think that? And I told him, you know, of my past and who I'd been. And he took me one to this passage and said, you know, this, this is not who you are. You are Christ. You are, you, well, you are, Christ is in you. You are a Christian now. You have been changed. You don't have to worry about the old self. You don't have to live in that past anymore. And then he looked at me and looked me over for a couple minutes. He goes, you know what? You kind of remind me of Zacchaeus. <laughs> would, would you like hearing that? Like, if, like, just be honest. Like, nod your head. Like, would you like hearing that? No, no. Who, who likes hearing? You're kind of like Zacchaeus. Because what's the, little, what's the little rhyme say? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. And, and Dr. Lyon, I'm going to be honest with you. This man, big big dude. Like, we're talking like this man looked like, like he could probably lift a truck if he wanted to. This man played football at like several different schools according to his own admission. He had long, awesome hair with like a blonde streak in it that he claimed was natural. Like, awesome, like, honestly a cool looking dude and, and very awesome guy. One time I saw him just like literally lifting weights in a full suit in the gym at school. Like, this guy would just, he was always ready to go for whatever, whether it was preaching, whether it was sharing God's word, whether it was for teaching or for encouraging a student sitting there thinking that he's worthless. And he looked at me and said, you remind me of Zacchaeus. And I said, well, what is that? Is that because I'm smaller than you? And he, he talked like he, literally his voice is like a, like a WWE wrestler. He goes, oh, <laughs> You are kind of small. <laughs> and I said, okay, fair, fair, fair. But like, what do you mean? He said, well, think about what Zacchaeus was doing. You know, he hears Jesus is coming to town. And he doesn't stay in the crowd. He's not worried about what anybody else is doing. He's not worried about what they're thinking, what they're saying. He climbs a tree to see the Messiah. The one that the Jews have been waiting for to change everything. You know, I hope you understand how, how crazy that day was. And I'm sure that you do. You guys are amazing and intelligent. But the Jews have been waiting all this time for the Messiah, and they're expecting this warrior king to come and wipe out Rome and set him free and reestablish Israel. But he's not doing that. He's different. And so Zacchaeus is, is caught in the midst of this drama, in the midst of this, this glory of Jesus as he's walking on earth. He says, I have to see him. I have to get a glimpse of him. I have to see what he's doing. He said, Fletcher, you are like Zacchaeus because you're not worried about what everybody else is doing. You're desperately trying to climb that tree for yourself and see what Jesus has for you. And so, Popper Springs, what I want for you today is for you to emulate that same kind of behavior. Who cares about what anybody else says about you? Who cares what anybody else says about your past? Who cares what anybody else says about what you can do, can't do, won't do, will not do? It does not matter. 
You need to be focused on what God, God has called you to do, and that is to follow after him at the cost of everything. The more that we do that, the more that we focus on that, the more we will continue to see the power of Jesus poured out in every single way. So yes, absolutely consider your calling. Yes, absolutely understand that you don't have to be wise, you don't have to be mighty, you don't have to be noble, but also understand to be like Zacchaeus and be desperate for the sight of Jesus. I'll say one last thing and we'll be done. You know, um, there have been all kinds of stuff that, that's happened for Dr. Humphrey and I since we became members here, and at every turn I've seen this church just pour out love. You know, you may not know this, but over Christmas I, I was diagnosed uh, with, a, with an illness that just really caused me a lot of pain and a lot of drama and a lot of trouble, and it was very scary. And the whole time that that's going on, my phone is blowing up with phone calls from you guys, texts from you guys, just prayers, just some of you sending me scripture, just sending me hope. I've never experienced that before. Thank you for that. In the midst of all kinds of other troubles, we all know the things that have gone on. I have seen you move. I have seen you act. Keep doing that. Because that will show the difference to a world that desires to hate God. That will show the difference to a world that desires to run from him at every turn. Your faithfulness, even in the moments where you think nobody's looking, will make all the difference. At this time, we're going uh, to have a time of invitation. Um, and this is something that I believe is important that I've been going over the youth with. You know, invitation is not something that, that we, we go to when we're just struggling with one big sin. Invitation is a time for anything that's on your heart to be brought before the Lord. And you, you probably already know this. But I'm going to be down at the altar today just to say thank you, just to have gratitude. Because I am honored to be among you. I'm honored to be a Christian. I'm honored to be speaking in front of you. And I want to encourage you, if you have anything you need to lay down before Jesus, let's do that today. If you just have something you want to praise God for, come down to the altar and pray over that today and thank God for that today. Or stay in your seat, that's fine. I'm not forcing you to do anything you're uncomfortable with. But understand that when we have that, that step out of our comfort zone, when we have that step out of what we want to do, something different happens in our spirit. Something different happens in who we are. And it's that first step sometimes that can really begin to change us. But with that being said, let's pray. Father God, thank you for today and thank you for your word. Thank you for who you are and everything that you've done, Lord. And thank you that you choose what is weak and lowly in the world and still love us, and still want to utilize us, and still want to make us yours. Jesus, I want to praise you for who you are. I want to praise you for, the, for this church. I want to pray protection over them as we go throughout the rest of the week. In your name.